From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're learning from our esteemed veteran registered investment advisor, Adam Morse, and our human economic database and fearless CIO, Michael French. And today, we're talking about millennials and will they be able to retire? All right, let's get to it. All right, how are you guys doing today? All right, let me Google that. It's 40 degrees outside. It says you're overweight, but that's not my <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was rude. You look great. I'm feeling he great. You look great. Have you seen I am Steve, excited Steve to Jobs be here. Turtleneck? It's cold out today. It's a cold day in Dallas. It's brisk. It's brisk. All right. So um, Adam and I are both millennials. Ouch. <laughs> please, please don't stop listening. We promise to try to spend the next 20 or so minutes redeeming ourselves. All right. Statistically, our net worth is a lot lower than boomers. Also factually. The actually, yes, the individual earnings for young workers have remained mostly flat over the last 50 years, according to Pew, Pew Research. We're saddled with a lot more student debt, um, which accounts for about 1.5 trillion in total American school debt. Um, Michael, do you think that millennials are going to be able to retire? Mm. I thought you were going to ask me if I felt superior and lucky. Is the answer yeah? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I think, I mean, one of the things that I think is going to be different is we don't look at work the same way we used to look at work and we don't look at retirement the same way we used to look at retirement. I don't think anybody, I mean, most people I talk to don't want to just play golf and do nothing for the last 30 years of their life. Right. They actually have interests in, in monetizing those interests is going to be something that people should think about and will continue to do. I think the, the where millennials have an advantage is they actually are used to monetizing their entrance, well, in, interests. Well, I mean, like, so you, for instance, have an affection for music and an interest in film and in podcasts. And so what you do for a job isn't really work as much as part of it is just enjoyable to you. Right. So uh, I, agree. I think you guys, I mean, you get a bad rap because you, you know, of all the things that you do, a lot of it justified. There's a lot that's wrong. <laughs> Some with not the generation. <laughs> Some of it is historical. Yeah. I think older generations have always looked at younger generations yeah. in some regard and said, said they're breaking everything. Yeah. But as someone that is yeah. part of said millennial generation, there are some regrettable characteristics that I think uh, yeah. are, are true. Um, well, and I think the thing, like, so you think about things like student debt. Right. Uh, I read something the other day that said 25% of universities might not be around in 20 years. And I didn't read the article, so I don't know if their point was a college education is going to be less valuable. But go to Coursera.org, and you can take classes from Yale University, the University of Michigan, MIT. like Stanford, Stanford's YouTube channel? Yeah, has their entire year one course on astrophysics on YouTube. And I know Yale does the same thing. For I actually watched free. them on history. Yeah, stuff there. Yeah. So, so now do I get a degree from Stanford? No, no. but do I have knowledge that is incredibly useful and incredibly free and incredibly free in a way that that's never been possible in the world before? Right. So, 
you're creating a generation of people who may not be classically educated the way that we've thought about it for the last 50 or 100 years, but are also going to have an amount of knowledge that probably exceeds what people have had for the last 50 or 100 years. So able to be useful in an economy, uh, certainly. The other thing is you have to look at the demographics and you have to realize as people age and they do retire, you know, from in a, in a classical sense, those jobs are available. Yeah. Uh, as the workforce that moves into those jobs, if, if you have three people retire and only two people are stepping in to take those two jobs, the three jobs that are there, maybe one of them gets eliminated by computers, but maybe not, or technological advances, but maybe not. So now those three employers are having to compete for two workers and maybe willing to offer them higher wages. Meaning that those two people coming into those jobs are going to earn higher wages than the three people that just left those jobs. So I don't think that people are never going to retire. I think retirement's going to look different. And I think demographics are going to change in a way that allows people to, if they're educated and smart and hardworking, actually be really valuable in an economy. I mean, would you say that having just the knowledge of a degree is still valuable comparing to having an actual degree? Like, you know, people who have have a degree. Okay. So just before I forget, I do think one of Michael's points is very keen, which is when this idea of retirement, right, which you could kind of correlate to when social security was developed, life expectancies were not what they are today. Right. So folks weren't retiring going, I have another third of my life ahead of me. Right. That's a lot to ask, right? Yeah. To, to look at a third, to have to do enough and accomplish enough in really what is one, the middle third of your life right. mm-hmm. to sustain the final third of your life. As life expectancies get longer, that's just going to continue to be an issue. Right. And, and, and maybe part of the answer to that is uh, we change how we work, right? We don't necessarily, with gig work and being able to work yeah. from yeah. home and technology kind of allowing work to be maybe less intrusive day to day. It extends the the shelf life of someone's, you know, viable earning years. Um, but when it, when it comes to specifically the millennial generation, I think we're in an interesting time because I definitely think there are things that we get wrong as millennials. Now, part of the problem is you're a millennial technically if you were born between 1983 and 1996. I'm sorry, but Someone born in 85 does not have the right. same experience yes. as someone born in 95. 95. To, totally. Most totally of my childhood, I, I, I can remember all of my childhood was pre-internet. Most of my school and high school years were pre-internet. Yeah. If you can't remember, I think that should be the delineating factor because I the think internet. that's what is causing huh. so much disruption. Because to your point, I would be interested to get your take on this, Michael. It's a great thing that knowledge is essentially being commoditized, right? Right. Knowledge is accessible by everyone. Now we're in this and the millennial generation is kind of bridging this gap because societally we haven't figured out what the implications of that is. Yeah. What does it mean that this knowledge is available is now accessible to anyone? Because prior to this, we had universities and what were universities? They were the gatekeepers to that knowledge. Right. They, they had an, hugely important, right? They would make sure that that information was stored, passed along, maintained. The internet kind of does that now, yeah, right? Yep. And so now that that's true, 
we now have access to that information, but we're still relying on the historical gatekeepers to kind of authorize and say that's valid and say the, the specific information this person's received yep. and stored and learned is valid. And yep. so we're in this weird time where I, I think uh, there's this internal struggle of, man, is that still important? And I think, I don't know if we have the perfect answer to that yet. So one thing I would say there is like, as a firm, we always talk about markets are efficient. We believe markets are efficient. So you think about market efficiency. Um, you used to have to go to school. You had to get a marketing degree and then you went and you worked at some place and you got on TV and you became mad men. Right. And, and you de- designed ad campaigns and all these things happened. And now you put on your makeup, but you do it in front of a camera and you put it on YouTube and you create a channel and you have a bunch of followers. And uh, I was reading something yesterday. TikTok is going to be the most popular social media platform by next year. Really? Yeah. So now I don't remember if it was the most popular, fastest. It's already is... the fastest growing. I don't okay. think it's going to catch Facebook, but, but it's, Ask your ask your uh, average thirty year old what TikTok is, and I bet you they're not really sure. Like you know, maybe they've heard of it, but yeah. so things change really quickly. Is my point? Yeah. But but going back to the market, like markets are efficient. If that fourteen year old girl putting on makeup gets a thousand followers, and that turns into ten thousand, and that turns into a hundred thousand, and that turns into a million, and you keep adding zeros, L'Oreal wants to have her putting on their makeup mm-hmm. and they're fighting with Maybelline to get her to put on their makeup. Yep. I don't need somebody to give her the seal of approval that she's a marketing genius. And I'm not saying she is. If I hired her to sell auto parts, I don't think she could. Right. So she's not a marketing genius, but she's figured out how to make a significant amount of money and to sell a significant product. So when when we think about the gatekeepers, sure, Stanford isn't going to give her that marketing degree, but does she need it anymore? Right. And so I think that is that is something that is just being aware of that. As right. a millennial, and especially when it costs that much too. If you want to be an aeronautical engineer. Right. Yeah. yeah. That degree is going to be necessary. Yeah. So there there throw. are things like I'm not going to I'm not you need heart surgery. Mm-hmm. You're not looking for somebody who's watched some YouTube videos and has a pretty good idea of what a scalpel is. I mean, if they're cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not doing a lot of bargain shopping there, right? But, <laughs> so we're always going to need people who, I, I don't think we have found a way around mm-hmm. certain things, but like you need to be classically trained. I guess what you're saying is for every, every yin, there's a yang. So yeah. sure. It may be less easy to monetize that degree, yep. but there's also more ways to monetize without it. Right. The same technology that's breaking that down, it's also creating new opportunities. Right. For new for, for a different set of people. And I mean if you if you go back, you know, several hundred years, a couple hundred years, everything was apprenticeships. Very few people went to a classical yeah. university. You were trained to do a job. So, you know, if you talk to people today and what are you interested in? I always ask, I mean, I ask kids that I ask my kids that, what are you interested in? What do you want to do? So my son likes to argue. He's, uh, he's, he's a lot like Adam. We've talked about this before. Like he's very, you know, justice oriented. He'll die on every hill, the whole thing. He'll probably be a great attorney one day. I, I, I'm, he's 12. I get tired of arguing with him today. So, um, he's going to be great. 
he's going to do yeah. amazing things. My daughter, and, but he's going to need to go to school. He's probably yeah. going to need to go and get a law degree. My daughter is an amazing writer. I mean, she writes things that people send to us and she's just, you know, sends you a note like a text, but it, it'll make you cry because it's just so beautifully composed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll write things that just make you laugh. She's amazingly snarky. She could start a blog. She doesn't need to go to Harvard to have them tell her she can write. Now, she would do well to continue to develop that craft and to get training, but she is probably going to be able to monetize that. She could monetize that today. She could start today monetizing that. Will can't monetize arguing with people. At least we haven't figured out how yet. Um, well, he's refing, and so if you don't like his call, he doesn't care. He refs <laughs> soccer. <laughs> but there's 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 just a difference there because of the skill sets that the two kids have. One of them will need to be more classically trained. The other one might get away without it. Yeah, but that person being an Instagram influencer doesn't have a 401k. I mean, yeah, they're pursuing what they want to, but is that really setting them up for long-term financial stability? So... Oh, we've talked about this. Like there is a danger if you are, let's say you're an Instagram influencer and you are paid, you know, by, by companies, uh, your account can get hacked. There's a lot of risks associated with that. You don't necessarily have a stable job. On the other hand, I'm 50 years old. I've been laid off twice for things that were not performance related. It was simply, Hey, as the economy has shifted, we no longer need you to do what you do and you're not willing to relocate to Des Moines. So we don't need you anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I've been able to go out and find something else that I, you know, a, a different place to work, but I think there's this, there's, the illusion of job stability that people had, I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to work there forever, and then I'm going to retire, and I'm going to get a gold watch and a pension. That is absolutely gone. Really? I, I, I believe it is. And so I don't like believe it, it's going to come back. And frankly, does anybody want it to? No. I don't think anybody... I, kids are not clamoring to come here no. and be in this office no. all day not for all. 50 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if we hired advisors, they're going to be out talking to their friends, networking, meeting in coffee shops, and then they're going to be going and playing golf, and they're going to be hanging out, and they're going to be wanting to make enough money to do what they want to do. I think the difference is today there's a lot more individual responsibility. I mean, a 401k was something that used to be thought of as supplemental. A 401k was Mm. not your entire retirement. Mm. It was to supplement if the defined benefit pension that you had was not enough. Yeah. You're, you're touching on the relationship between freedom and security, right? Which is, a, uh, I mean, been around as long as humans have been around, right? Right. For, right. for any degree of security you gain, if you work at a big company, you have that security of knowing, okay, we yeah. can get through downward cycles. Right. You know, if I stay here, I kind of know the path I'm on, but at the same time, you know, historically it's well documented millennials hate the quote unquote nine to five, right? They want to be able to well work when I work or work from where I want to work and that's fine and good, but you can't have one without the other. So with that increased freedom, there is going to be an equal and opposite exchange of of security. And that's just kind of a, I think a societal decision that we're still kind of fleshing out of, of where's the right balance. Um, And so I I think it's going to take time to play out 
And I do think millennials are just at a unique point in history because changes never happen so fast. Right. Right. This whole Instagram right. influencer thing, even I would say maybe I'm slow, but five, years ago. five, six, seven years ago, I don't remember that being a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have not like this, you know, two, three yeah. people in my own life and I'm not a, a fancy person by any stretch, yeah. but two or three people in my own life that are, could technically be qualified to earn income as social media influencers. Right. And so it's so quick to change and, 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 and that's great, right? Opportunity yeah. abounds. But to Michael's point, it also does with that, there is uh, an incumbent responsibility. You have to stay up on that change, right? You yeah. can't just punch that clock. You have to be motivated. Yeah. Um, and I would say this for, for millennials, I think it's dangerous. Um, my personality is such that I would love to argue against universities all day long. Yeah. Right. Like who, who are you to be a gatekeeper? Right. This is <laughs> yeah. kind of my inherent bent that I always kind of have to keep myself in check on. But I would caution against throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? There's yeah. something very valid about that structure and about that institution setting. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're not all self-learners, right? Who's yeah. going to make yeah. you sit in front of your computer for 15 hours a week and watch yeah. those classes and take diligent Seriously. notes and then test yourself, right? Just watching something does not mean you're learning it and, and becoming an expert at it. right? So there's something to be said for that. And so... Um, I, I think it's just about that nuance, about finding that balance. And, and I think just as a society, we're still trying to move toward that. And millennials, for better or for worse, I feel like might be that kind of um, pivot generation that we kind of have to yeah. go through like that period pivot. of change where it's like, oh, okay, well, we did that right, that wrong, that yeah. right. And, and yeah. you know, in hindsight, maybe we'll have figured something out. And I think like what Adam was saying, and, and you go back to that article where they said 20% of universities might gone. I mean, 20% of degrees didn't exist didn't didn't used to exist and 20 percent of agree, degrees in the future might not need to exist so i mean if you type you know computer programming it used to be a thing you know hey yeah. you've got you go to school to be a computer programmer that's if definitely you a thing can, still if yeah. you can but if you can program computers if you teach yourself how to program computers and you start programming you will get a job and you will oh, make yeah. six figures, and you don't need to have the University of Texas tell you that you can program computers. But your employer might. Your employer might, but let's take let's take uh, us for instance. There are certifications and there are qualifications that you're going to need a college degree, for instance, before you can obtain certain licenses and certain things. But ultimately, if somebody came to you and said, hey, I have a track record, a demonstrated track record of making sound investments that get a certain return. And another guy comes to you and says, well, I don't do as well investing money, but I have a degree from Harvard. Hire me. Well, who would you hire? I'd hire the guy who's making money because we're paying him to make money. Now, we aren't active managers, so it's, you know, it's not the same. But take, for instance, athletes. Can you hit a three-pointer consistently? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking me. Oh. <laughs> Can you also dunk that like, a like lie. nobody's business? Oh, you should see Adam shoot. If the backboard oh. doesn't break, that ball's going in. We don't have time to discuss its majesty. <laughs> it's amazing. But, but if you can consistently hit a three-point shot, nobody cares where you came from, where you went to high school, how highly recruited you were going into college. If you played at Duke versus, you know, the university of nobody's heard of it. Yeah, but if you have 200 resumes, I doubt you're going to take time to individually assess everyone's performance no, no, no. record. No, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to, but 
it's also the person who rises to the top is going to be based on performance. And so I just think that there are a lot of mm-hmm. industries where stuff that's quantitative, eventually, I, I believe that a degree helps you get that first or second step. But after a certain point, the yeah. fact, if, if you're a high school hero who's still talking about all the mm-hmm. stuff you did back in high school and how awesome you were, yeah. and you're a 40-year-old, everybody's rolling their eyes. Yeah. By the same token, if you are 20 years into a career still talking about Cornell, you know, from the office, that guy, Andy, yeah. everybody's rolling their eyes. Yeah. Like, what have you done for me lately? You're a terrible paper salesman, but congratulations, you went to Cornell. I'm so glad you stuck an office reference into this because that's it's always applicable. <laughs> it, is. it really is. And so like, but, but that's the reality is that, yeah, it might get you that first, it, it might get you that first job, but where you went to school, your GPA, all that stuff becomes obsolete after, yeah, you know, much less relevant later in your career. And people are looking and saying, what have you done? And if your answer is always, well, 20 years ago, I got accepted into an Ivy League school. All right. That's still impressive, though. You know what I mean? It was impressive once upon a time. I mean, you're not married, but if I told my wife, if everything that my wife knew about was, well, remember when I was trying to get you to say yes? And so I used to take you out and I was amazing. I remember that one time I took you to a steak dinner and it it was a lot of money. I bought you a bottle of wine. That was really nice. She would just be like, dude, it's been 20 years. Yeah. I said yes 20 years ago. What have you, I mean, like in the last year, have you taken, no, I, I haven't taken you out, but 20 years ago, that was really impressive, right? So it's, it's the same thing. We look at people and we say, well, what have you done for me lately? Or what have you done in the last however long? And so one, like a personal goal that I have in, in my life is, hey, every three years or so, do you have a skill that you didn't have three years ago. So like when you, so this is good because when you think about, for instance, Coursera, what am I able to do now that I couldn't do three years ago? And, and there's stuff that, that, and, and there's stuff that you can look at and you can say, I have this body of knowledge that I didn't have before. I think in our industry, one of the things that's, uh, useful is this is a label industry and and it just means it's constantly changing there's always something new that's coming up and so if you aren't keeping up with what's changing in the world what's changing in the world of investments what's changing in the world of taxes what's changing in the world of politics then the advice that you're giving people might be advice that was appropriate five years ago but is no longer appropriate so are you keeping up with changes are you keeping up with your skill set and that is something that I think millennials have a big head start on because they're more willing mm. to take personal responsibility. Yeah. They're not going back to get an MBA. No. They're, they're simply, just used to always learning new things, learning yeah. right. new, yeah. new processes, yeah. new information. So we, I should say we. Yeah. You guys. So I mean, like, look at Zach. Here. Zach is one of those people who, you know, what does he actually do? Like, I don't know what we hired him to do in this office. I don't know what he does. But if you look at what he does, it's anything we ask him to do. If you yeah. ask Zach to do anything, he goes and he gets the knowledge. Now, it's not really fair to him because he's constantly having to learn new things and he's not allowed to be an expert or something. But he, to me, looks like mm-hmm. a good millennial, uh, somebody that you would want to hire because you give him a task. And he says, I don't have the skill set, but I'll round out what I can do. And I will go do it. 
it used to be that if you asked somebody how to do something, they were like, okay, well, I need to sign up for a class down at, you know, University of North Texas, and I will go get a degree in online marketing, and I'll be back in six months and be useful to you. So, Adam, what what do you think <clears throat> millennials can do? What good steps could they take? What foresight can they have, mm-hmm. financially speaking, that they may not be seeing now? It's a good question. Um, and, and some of this is from my own experience. Some of this, obviously, as millennial, my community is largely millennial. Um, I think one of the things that millennials wrestle with is as they go down this path, um, and as we've been talking about, there's a lot of opportunities out there, but still by and large, right? The traditional path is graduate high school, go to college, get some degree, and then work. And so as we're going through that, I think it's really important to kind of understand, first of all, what are my expectations for earning ability Mm. based on what I'm studying, right? Now, I'm not putting a value on any one area of study or expertise over another. I'm all for whatever your passion is. You should go after it really, really hard. But as Michael said, you know, 20 years ago, there weren't nearly as, as many options and degrees and paths of study available to us. So understanding, you know, if, if I study, if I'm going pre-med, I have a certain expectation for what right. I'm going to earn as opposed to if I'm studying, you know, hieroglyphics, both right. hugely valuable and, and great for society, but just different in terms hieroglyphics? of what Absolutely. Yeah. How else are we going to maintain human history and learn to know what they said? Yeah. So understanding what my earning potential is going to be is big because what's unique about millennials, I think, is that we struggle with image a lot. We spend a lot of our time comparing ourselves to everybody around us and and even people that aren't around us. Yep. And so what that means is we feel this internal pressure to do things a certain way, to not only do them, but do them the right way, the, the stylish way, the, yep. the, the cool way. And yeah. so what that means from a college perspective is four years. Yeah. Do it in four years yeah. and be done with it. Unfortunately, the cost of college has gone through the roof. Yes. Yeah. And it's really tough for yes. most of us, unless we were you know, blessed to be born to a situation that allowed us to, to just right. go through it with no debt. If you're doing it in four years, chances are you're having to take on debt. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, if you're in one of those areas of study that it's is crazy. not going to put you in the upper echelon in terms of earning, maybe right. early on, right. you're behind the eight ball already because yeah. you've taken on huge amounts of debt that you're going to be struggling for the first 10, 15, 20 years of your career just to catch back up. And so yeah. Yeah. it may be valuable to spend the time up front going, okay, my passion is yeah. ABC. I'm going to do that but maybe I'm only going to be in the 40th percentile of earners for the first 10 years. So maybe I take six years, right? Maybe I work part-time all the way through and that's going to be really hard and I'm not going to be able to post, you know, really cool Instagram photos of my graduation day on the same day that all my peers are. Right. But guess what? I'm going to be able to retire four years ahead of them because I took two extra years to go through school. Yeah. And it's really unsexy. It's not fun. But it's, but it's like hugely smart. valuable and smart work yeah. to do that that is really underappreciated for no other reason than as millennials, we just have this pressure to keep it's up, true. to yeah. look good, to, you know, to it's not true. have any cracks in our facade, to not be yeah. real humans. And so I, I think it's, you know, there's nothing shameful about that. I, I actually admire that. I would admire that if I saw someone do that. And yeah. so um, I think that's one thing folks can do is just put in that time and, and and have that thought process of, is it okay to go a little slower if it yeah. means I'm keeping my cost yeah. down yeah. And, and, and do and go about it that way? Well, I was going to say, I think the, the other thing is, 
I heard somebody, a comedian made a joke one time and it was kind of funny. He said, you know, the, the more explanation that goes into where you're going to school or where you went to school, the worse your school is. Cause if you ask somebody, where'd you go to school? And they're like Harvard, then they went to Harvard. If you ask somebody, where'd you go to school? And the guy goes, well, so what I'm doing right now, I'm going to a junior college, but then when I, when I get finished that, I'm going to transfer and I'm going to go to here, which is funny, but it's also the opposite of smart because <laughs> for instance, you go to Blinn or you go to ACC down in Austin for two years and you get those prereqs out of the way and then you transfer into the University of Texas and you finish up and you get the same degree everybody else got. What did you lose? You lost the college quote unquote experience. And I, I mean, there's two things that I, that I think are relevant. One, why does college cost so much more in the U.S. versus other countries? I think a part of it is the college experience. Mm-hmm. So we're That's paying the for yeah, into it. we're paying for rock climbing gyms and you know stuff that you don't have those things in countries like Germany and 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 so I think there's a a big difference there that people say, well, I wanted to have this college experience, which is fine. That's great, but the other thing is, I think, and this is just a personal belief that. When governments stand behind things like student loans, it naturally drives the price up because the person loaning you money is no longer taking the risk. And so Bank of America can make you a $40,000 loan because you're not paying back Bank of America. Bank of America is reselling that loan to the U.S. government. The U.S. government now is saying, hey, yeah, you're going to pay back $40,000 to us. And you got a degree that you know, isn't really worth it. And so I think one of the things that people should do when they're thinking about taking out student loans is put yourself on the other side of the table. So if you came to me today and said, hey, I want to take out a loan to become an aeronautical engineer. I believe that aeronautical engineers are going to be in demand. And so if you need $100,000 to get a degree in aeronautical engineering, it's probably worth it. If you want to get a degree and you're going to need to take out $100,000 in loans to be a teacher, I would say that's a bad financial decision. Mm. Now, that does not mean that teachers aren't valuable, because they are. You're not going to have future aeronautical engineers unless you have teachers. But from an economic standpoint, you aren't going to make as much money, and you are going to have a harder time paying Yeah, but that's just not an option. No one's going to hire you if you don't have a degree. Right. But no, what, no, but you don't need to spend $100,000. Right. If oh, you're right, going right, to right. be a teacher, right. should you go to Duke University no, right. and end up with $100,000 in debt to be a teacher? No one's going to hold it against you. They're not yeah. going to say, we're not going to hire you because you took two extra semesters. To go right. Slow. Right. So if you went to, you know, if you said, well, I'm going to become a teacher. And so I know that that's my passion. That's great. Don't do silly things in pursuing your passion that are always going to put you behind the eight ball. So I think for for people to understand, hey, the cost of an education, you're paying for a lot of experiences. And what Adam said about image is, I believe, it's always been true. We've always been concerned about what people thought about us. The difference is that you guys walk around on this global stage with Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've told you guys this before about my Letterman's jacket. Have I told you this story? I don't think so. Like is that was, thing still, I would have assumed the moths would have eaten yeah, it by they, now. It's they, been, what, 70 years? It was uh, back in 1910. Yeah, wow. wow. I didn't yeah. know they had Letterman jackets pre-revolution. You didn't even know that they had basketball back then. No. Well, you a, had baskets, right? Yeah. You didn't yeah. have nets. We nailed them up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, somebody had to dig the ball out. I yep. shot underhanded. Yeah. So so when I was, when I was in high school, it was 
like a letterman's jacket was a cool thing. You know, you'd go to the mall and here was the thing. I didn't actually like my letterman's jacket, but I always walked around with it. I carried it around so that people would know kind of, Hey, this is my identity. Well, who was I trying to impress everybody at the mall? And that's the, those are the only people that saw it today. You guys have this global stage where you're like, Hey, look at me world on Instagram. And literally there's a correlation between the response people get to whatever their social media, uh, when they post something on social media, what the response is yep. into their emotional state. Yeah. And so it's literally if, quantified. Yeah. So if yeah. you, for instance, eat a pizza and nobody else likes your pizza or doesn't tell you that looks cool. Or if you go on vacation and nobody's like, Ooh, that looks like you had fun. Did it even happen? Yeah. You guys feel yeah. bad about it. Whereas my generation, Didn't I mean, care. well, a little bit less. I knew somebody who would delete their stuff if they didn't get a certain amount of, wow. yeah. yeah. Luckily I am just bad at it. I have like Me 30 too. followers. So nice. I just inherently know that I'm not cool and that's okay. I've made my peace with it. Yeah. Uh, I would follow I had you. To. Yeah. When you have you kids, you just automatically become less cool. You're like, Oh, okay. I would also say kind of as a way to put a bow on it. I think you kind of touched on this earlier. You know, when we talk about like, I think as a millennial, we look at our parents' generation and maybe our grandparents' generation and you know, you work 60 years at one place and you get the pension, you get the gold watch. Right. And I don't think anyone's clamoring for that to come back, right? I don't think yeah. any of us want that. I Nor think we, will it anyway. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I'm all for the freedoms and, and, and the more fluid uh, kind of lifestyle allowed by technology when it comes to working. But I do think that there has been something lost in our, in, in when I say our, I'm not talking to Michael, I'm talking to Jared. <laughs> in our generation, um, I think there's something to be said for the unsexy stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, it's kind of trite, but the kind of highlight culture we live in, yeah. we see, you know, oh, well, their job, they travel all the time to exotic yeah. locations and yada, yada, yada. It's yeah. like, well, that's true. But for anyone that's successful, you're never going to see no. when they're just, you know, working the day before Thanksgiving until 8 p.m. Yeah. just to get those Excel reports put in. You yeah. know what I mean? And and it's not exciting. Um but it takes time. Yeah. And if you're switching jobs every 16 months, mm-hmm. there's something to be said for that costing you. You're having to yeah. restart. Those people, every time you switch jobs, they don't know you. You're having to rebuild your reputation. Yeah. You're having to prove to them that you're smart, capable, reliable, uh, valuable to the company. There's something to be said for putting your head down, not always looking over the fence at the grass that's greener over it's there. Not greener. Right. Yeah. And just putting your head down and working. Yep. And if you do that reliably, I truly believe, and, I, and you know, I'm, I'm young, but I've worked long enough to see this. If you do that long enough, people will notice. Yeah. Now, you may not go from 50K a year to 500K a year, yeah. but if you do that long enough, you will make progress. It's true. You will make progress. It's true. And of course, you're going to change jobs over time. I get that. But I think this constant, um, and I mean, I'm a sports fan, so you see this in sports leagues now with, with younger guys, this constant chasing of fulfillment somewhere right. else. Yep. You might not always find it. It might not be the next job, right? It might be something that you need to do inwardly. And um, so I just think that's another thing that, that millennials, I think, would benefit from maybe spending time thinking about and wrestling with is, um, is it beneficial to, to treat a job as nothing more than, 
you know, just away so I can go do other experiences, right? right? Do that, do that unsexy stuff, the stuff that's not fun or pretty, because that's really what makes the difference in the long run. That's what's going to put you ahead of everybody else. Do you guys have anything else to add? Will millennials be able to retire? Is the consensus to be TBD? They'll retire. It'll just look different. Then. I think the question is define, once you can define retirement for millennials, I could tell you if they can retire or not. I don't think we know what retirement will look like. So yep. whether or not they can retire at 65 or not, you know what I mean? And, w- and live off savings. I, 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 I don't think that that is going to be the norm for mm-hmm. anybody. I would agree. Interesting. So you think we'll just always work? So, I mean, people ask me that now. They, they say, oh, if you, if, you, if, you could do anything you, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And I do what I want to do. This is what I would do if I could do anything in the world. And so people are surprised to find out that I'm doing what I enjoy doing. Now, in 10, 20, 30 years, 30 years from now, I'll be, how old is that? 99? I'm sorry, 109. I'm sorry, 109. So when I'm 80, (laughs) I'm assuming that the synapses in my brain are just not going to be as quick, that there's going to be stuff I'm not going to be as, you know, as able to comprehend and things are going to happen. And I'm just going to be not as good at this part of my job. Because right now it's gathering information and distilling it into something that is simple and then explaining it to people in a way that helps them make good decisions. And so Adam will be doing that because he'll, you know, be in my age, in my position. And then what will I be doing? I don't know. But I think I will always be interested in doing something like that. So I would be 80 and still probably useful to society in some way. Maybe you're doing something at your church or something. It could be a different avenue. But I I think this idea of, I look at my grandfather and he retired like, to the day on his 62nd birthday, he passed away at, I want to say 86, 87. Okay. I just don't see that. Yeah. 24 years persisting um, for a lot of reasons that we've, some we've discussed here this afternoon, some we haven't, but I just don't see that traditional picture of retirement being in place for millennials. And and I, and I don't think we want it, um, but I think it will be different. The question is what what does different look like? and, And, and I don't claim to have the answer to that at this point. Yeah. But what you said about fulfillment, too, the other thing is I think you have this period of your life where if you didn't have to make money, what would you do if that's the question? Mm. The reason I think it's going to be different going forward is I think millennials are answering that question and saying, I wouldn't do a job I didn't want to do before I got to retirement. So you guys are doing things that you wanted to do, whereas Mm. what Adam was saying earlier, put your nose to the grindstone and grind it out. If you were doing that, then you might hit 65 and say, no, I want out. And, and I agree with Adam, actually, that you do need, there's a lot of your there job. There are seasons. Right. And, right. And, and, and every job has something you don't enjoy doing. Right. But I don't know. I mean, once you've worked in about five jobs, you realize, okay, the grass is greener over there in the northeast corner of the lot. But in the other three parts of the of the yard, it is dead. And so it's there's benefits to me going to work over there, but there's benefits to me staying here. And if right. I stay here, I'm gonna grind at the stuff I don't enjoy. Right. Like making podcasts. 
But you're so good at it. I love. We need your wisdom. We need your wisdom. We need your age. From one millennial to what? What is your generation? I don't even know. I think it's a silent generation. Are we the old people? Yeah. Whatever you are. What? What what was it when we were? I I remember. This is what's funny though. I remember people yelling at us because we were Gen X. Mm -hmm. I think it's Gen X. Mm -hmm. People telling us that we were lazy and we were, you know, all these things. Yeah. And it was funny because I. At one point, remember thinking, wow, for a bunch of lazy people, we've created some amazing stuff with this here internet thing. Yeah. Because you did that, right? You invented the internet? With Al. Al Gore and I. Nice. Well done. Well, nice. we're grateful you for it. You probably have to eliminate that. Yeah, or else you wouldn't have a job. That's so true. So true. Well, from from a couple of millennials, we're grateful for, for you and people of your generation. You've got a lot of wisdom on offer. And, uh, yeah. We're certainly try to try to gather what we can from hey, you and just not yeah. squander it. Don't drop the ball, man. We're gonna try. We'll do our best. We're gonna try. All, All right, right, guys. Thanks. Thank you guys for doing this. We'll uh, see you in a couple weeks. We'll be back. All right. Look forward to it. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com.